0: Hello everyone and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding
1: platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has
0: made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look,
1: you will be too. For our 90th episode, we have something special in store for you. We're gonna be sitting down with Cudley's Director of Shelter Engagement, and my big sister, to give you all a behind the scenes look into the people behind the platform. Here at Cudly, our mission is to help rescues grow and save more animal lives than ever before. And since we recently hit our three thousandth partner, we thought there was no better time than to get one of our loyal leaders on here to talk about it all. We're so excited for this, so let's go ahead and get started.
0: Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Super great. I'm super honored to be combining the two sisters from Cuddly <laughs> and together, um, together at last, to really talk about how we're benefiting animal rescues and. To touch on this for our 90th episode. Super excited to be able to highlight all the work you and your team are doing. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm very
2: very honored that you chose me for your 90th episode.
0: Oh yeah. I know a lot of people may not know about your background. They may have just seen you in our amazing Giving Tuesday live. (laughs) So could you give us a little bit of background on how you developed your love of animals?
2: Yeah. I feel like I was born love Loving animals, it's been ingrained in in me since I can remember. I think I get it from my mom. My mom has always been a big animal lover, bringing home kittens and puppies, and as a family, nursing them back to health. So yeah, I've always loved animals. And after I graduated college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I had a passion for helping animals, but I just wasn't sure on how I could transform that into a job. And so I ended up getting a job at a vet office actually as a receptionist. And that was really eye-opening for me. I got to learn a ton of animal medical knowledge and I worked my way up to be actually a vet assistant to our doctor there. And that was really great because it gave me an opportunity to not only work one-on-one with her, but one-on-one with clients and animals as well. And so that was really eye opening, and it really taught me a lot about medical needs of pets, which obviously is very beneficial to what we do here at Cudley, because we really focus on those medical needs animals that need help. And I think the knowledge that I've brought to Cudley into this role has really been helpful in me in understanding what these animals go through, and you know how expensive and extensive their healing
0: process can be. Well, and I know too there have been so many organizations, especially especially recently touching on how hard it is to be a vet. And I have to imagine that also encompasses their entire team, that it's probably very difficult to work in that situation where you're seeing a lot of animals come in in really tough situations or you're dealing with a lot of stress from their pet parents, of course, who oftentimes, I mean, their pet is their their family, their, it's their baby. So did it make it a lot easier to work at Cuddly where you feel like you can take an active role in these animals' lives, and by helping them in that way,
2: yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing that that I can correlate between my two roles is that it really does take a village. It took an enti- you know my entire vet team to help a single animal, and it's the same on the rescue side. You know, it's um, it really takes a village of people to come together
0: that can change one animal's life. I love that, and it's so true. And I think it, it sounds overwhelming, but at the same time. We're all human. We all stumble and fall. And the idea that there's going to be someone there that has your back, um, I think it is so comforting. So, for those who maybe are a little unclear, could you step into exactly what a relationship at Cuddly is like for an animal rescue? Um, I know we've got our whole support team, which really they all work under you. You're kind of their guiding light. And I know certainly you've had a lot of experience over the years with these one-on-one relationships that you've developed with rescues. So could you touch on exactly what the team does and how they help our rescue partners?
2: Yeah, of course. So our fundraising consultant team works one-on-one with our rescue partners, helping them start campaigns, manage their account, provide updates, everything that people don't realize that rescues don't necessarily always have time for. Many times they're in the field, rescuing an animal, they're rushing one to the ER. It's a lot of work in person that they're doing with the animals. And so it's really amazing how our our team uh, develops these relationships and almost becomes an extension of the rescue organization so that we build the trusting and loving relationship with them to where we really act as an extension and can help them with all those things. That they just don't have time for. You know, they're this is pure volunteer work on their end. They have normal lives, normal jobs. And so giving that helping hand really really makes a
0: huge difference in their life. Absolutely. I mean, I love that so much and I that's what I think is so unique about what we do is we are stepping in and helping these smaller organizations who really can't afford to hire someone, they can't afford to pay for like, some fancy platform that has something automated for them. And even then, I feel like they still want to be so in touch with everything that's happening. So, by having that really close, amazing relationship, it's really made for the best fundraisers and to fundraisers that are connecting with the community and really becoming successful. Exactly. So great. Could you give us a little bit of color and an insight to you who makes up your team? Because I think it is surprising a lot of times what kind of demographic we are. We tend to be pretty young and very enthusiastic because of it, I think.
2: Yes, our team is fairly young, but I think what really matters is that we're all extremely passionate about helping animals. I think that's a screening question if you want to work it kindly, that we all have to ask. Um, So I think that having that passion, it really translates into the work that they provide and the help that they give our rescue partners. So yes, while we're young, we might be young in age, but our passion goes well beyond our years.
0: Well, and I think it is super interesting because given like recent statistics, I know we just recently got back from a conference where they were really discussing the fact that predominantly pet owners are are millennials and Gen Z. (laughs) This is kind of fun. One in every four pet owners is opening an Instagram for their pet.
1: (laughs) Oh, I believe it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Sydney is one of those. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm very guilty of that. All three of mine have their own Instagram account easily. I would make multiple for each of them probably if I could.
0: That's insane. I mean, Sydney,
1: that's a lot to manage. You're
0: basically a media agency now.
1: I know, (laughs) but I, I, I would see it. Honestly, I think a lot of the reason why people do that though, is because it, it almost acts as like your own personal little album. You get to, you know, when you first get your animal, whether you get them as a puppy or you get them, you know, at some point in their life, it's nice to be able to kind of see like the trajectory of their life. Like you post when they have their birthday and when you go to a beach day and you, you kind of like, I go back like to this day when I have free time and I look at the photos that I posted of my dogs. In like 2018, and I like reminisce, and I'm like, oh, that was <laughs> such a nice day. I love them. Look how small they were. Honestly, it's like a um, a virtual photo album for me, and I love it. And I think it's so funny. Like I read an
2: article the other day where millennials were not having babies. Yes, I saw that. We're having fur babies in- instead, and it was it was something so funny where millennials are, are not looking to buy a home for like their babies. They're just looking to buy a home to give their dog a backyard a they life. deserve <laughs> or something along those lines. And I'm like, yes, like that is me to a T.
0: I did that. <laughs> and I feel like it's everyone on your team too. Yeah. It's amazing. I've seen your team go without so many things, but
1: all of yeah. your pets are like royalty. <laughs> I like eating like top ramen every day, but my dog has like the most expensive (laughs) harness and like all of these toys and organic treats. Meanwhile, I have holes in my shoes. Spoiled is an understatement.
0: Definitely. I'd love for you to highlight maybe some of the rescues that you've worked with in the past and how you've seen Godly make a really big impact on the work that they do. So I know specifically you worked with Stray Dog Support. Yeah, and we we love Helen. Love Helen. <laughs> I'd love for you to talk about some of the rescues that you've worked with, and and how working with Cudley has really been able to help them grow as an organization. Yeah,
2: definitely. One that comes to mind is I Pity the Bull Foundation. They are an organization uh, right here in California, not too far from us in Chino. Um, and a couple years back, um, I actually had reached out to them. They do humane education. It's really great. They go to different schools across the county teaching kids about how to not discriminate based on breed. Yeah, exactly. So they they have these amazing pit bulls in their care that they've rescued. And they bring them to these elementary schools to show kids that you can't discriminate based on how someone looks. And I thought it was such an amazing Mission and organization. So I reached out to them a couple years ago and I got in contact with their founder, John, who is amazing. Him and his wife, Brie, I love them. They actually were in the process of transitioning into an actual rescue organization where they wanted to start rescuing animals as opposed to just being a nonprofit humane education program. It must have been, you know, the stars aligned. I messaged him right in that moment when he was, you know, thinking of how he was going to start his new rescue. And so I connected with him and I actually went out to Chino and I toured their house because they have a big garage and they were transforming it into kind of where their rescue would live. And like they were placing kennels and all the things that they would need to, to house animals that they would rescue from the shelter. And I really got to see, I mean, that that was now two years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, but I got to really see them from start to finish. And we've developed not just a beautiful working relationship, but really a friendship with John and Brian, I think that they're just amazing people and what they do for obviously the animal welfare community, but, you know, pit bulls, especially the voice that they bring to them is, is incredible, but I really just love to see them and how successful and amazing they've been from the ground up since, since that day that I've toured the garage. It's, we've had several cuddly fundraisers with them and they've all been extremely successful. I've, taught them how to, how to do a successful fundraiser. And it's crazy to me how, how much of a difference that
1: I've been able to make through Cuddly for their organization. Yeah. I will say John, I think is a really receptive person too. When you give advice or recommendations, he is very open, very willing to do anything possible. If it, if it's going to end up benefiting the dogs. I just want to say that. Cause I do feel like there are some rescues who do get a little bit set in their ways, or they have a specific way of doing something and they They don't necessarily want to do a new course of action or things like that. But in John's case, he was so open to it. And he was just so receptive to everything that you gave him that I feel like he's doing amazing now. I mean, he does amazing work on his own, but just in the sense of the Cuddly platform, I think he was so successful because he was just so open to it.
2: Yeah. Like you said, not everyone hits it off immediately. Me and John did. And I'm very thankful for that. But I think there is a trust that our fundraising consultant team they earn and they develop with our partners over
0: time. Sometimes that takes longer than others. You know, we completely understand. What you're trying to say, it's a really hard environment in general for animal rescue.
1: Yeah. I understand why they don't trust. Well, no situational relationship is going to be exactly the same. Well, and I think it takes a moment
0: for people to understand that we are doing it with best intentions, that we're not trying to scam them or do something. And I loved what you said about they are fundraising consultants, they earn their trust. It's not something that we expect something, someone to give us totally willingly, rightfully so. I mean, I think it's natural human nature after you've seen so much and you've been in this environment for a minute, even as a someone who's not in rescue. I mean, you probably shouldn't just buy whatever anyone's selling. <laughs> <laughs> it's in life. Right. And I think that's what is so remarkable about. John and his experience. But also I love that that's not a totally unique circumstance. I mean, I know we were seeing more and more these days of rescues that because we were able to get involved with them, they're able to open their first brick and mortar shelter and they're able to evolve and do more and take on more cases and be a little bit unchained, I'll say. (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny. I think one of
2: our fundraising consultants just posted this week that One of our longest standing partners, I think Bridget, what back at, we started partnering with them in 2014, maybe. Yeah. 2014, they, they were just able to open up their first like actual facility. And they said, you know, without Cudley's help these past few years, like it wouldn't have been possible. And it's crazy, like crazy in a good way,
0: how many lives were changing. Well, and I'm certain if you ask them back then about a facility it wouldn't even be on their radar. It's one of those things that not every organization thinks is a goal, but honestly, just being able to have the option because you don't have to worry about fundraising because you don't have to worry that one big medical case is going to cripple your organization. I think that makes such a big difference and helps you plan for the future and grow and do these amazing things. Exactly. So wonderful. I get so pumped up about it, Uh, it still astounds me too. I mean, people across the country who have never met them before are suddenly becoming the biggest fans of these organizations and are following them for years and years. Super astounding. Now, quickly, I'm I'm wondering if you can tell me like one or two high-level steps. Certainly, I know so many rescues work with their fundraising consultant intimately to learn and to evolve and to grow their skill set so they can fundraise um, really efficiently. But I'm wondering, are there certain things that make a fundraiser successful?
2: I think the number one thing that stands out is photos and videos that you can take of the animal, because you have to understand that in the social media world that we live in nowadays, that there's so much content thrown at so many people and potential donors, current donors. And so really taking that clear, concise photo that shows what's wrong with that animal So that it comes across to the donor and they relate, they feel compelled to donate because I think a lot of people are very visual and like what you just said, someone in California might come across an animal that in Florida that they wouldn't see, you know, otherwise. And so it's really important to take those compelling pictures, take the time to make sure that you're, that you're publishing very clear um, and compelling content so that you really do capture the attention in a world where there's, there's just so much out there and it's very easy to get missed.
0: Definitely. And I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, when you're so busy doing all this work all the time, it's hard to see where the moments of opportunity are. Yeah. So that's what I love about the fundraising consultants. They're like a totally unbiased individual that can say, hey, it seems like we're struggling with A, B, or C. Um, and they can basically critique and more than critique offer tips, offer suggestions because we do see the fundraisers that get go viral. We do see the ones that really get news coverage and and really change the face of animal rescue because of how they're crafted. So I think that's what's so wonderful too is you can have someone who isn't your sister basically like looking over and saying like, actually I think we should modify this. So I know you have a whole, whole little team of a herd of rescues in your house. <laughs> so we all love them. And they're definitely, it feels like, like an odd bunch. My funny farm. Yes. Yeah. If they were, they'd be like that softball team that <laughs> the, <laughs> the absolute underdogs.
1: Like bench warmers. That's not softball. But that's baseball. I mean, baseball works too. Could you
0: tell us of your pets, what's the naughtiest thing one of them has ever done? <laughs> The naughtiest thing—I would have to give that
2: award to Dakota, who is my oldest rescue pup. She was still a puppy when this happened, and we were leaving her home alone for the one of like the first times. And up to that point, like she really wasn't getting into too much stuff, and we were only going running to the store, so we were only going to be gone for like 20 minutes. We leave, and I swear to you, it probably was only 20 minutes. We come back. We opened the door and it's as if there was a snowstorm in my house. (laughs) She had taken all. And when I say all, I mean like every toilet paper roll that I own and ripped it to shreds all over my living room, my couch, my ottoman. I don't know how this dog accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. But it was insane. It took us like 30 minutes to an hour to clean up. And she just sat there in the corner. And like, she knew what she did, but she was like so cute, like turned over on her belly. And I'm like, oh, I can't be mad at
0: you right now. But gosh, darn it, dog. Oh my gosh. Incredible too. Cause it's not like she just took one and was like, well, that was fun and moved on. No, uh-uh. that was so much fun. We need to do that 18 more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shredded like completely. Amazing. Well, so if there is one thing that you could say to an animal lover or someone out there about animal rescue in general, that you wish that they understood one point you'd love to get across to people about those working in animal rescue, what would it be? I would say
2: that I don't think a lot of people understand that these volunteers in rescue, they're human. They're humans. They have everyday lives, just like you and I They're driven by their passion. They're doing the best they can, trying to save as many lives as they can and just to be kind.
0: That's such a good point. Definitely for animal rescue, because I think it's so hard and people are so critical when it comes to so many of these issues. Also, just probably a good rule for most people (laughs) (laughs) in general. Maybe just take a second if you're frustrated and be like, "Eh, maybe they're having a really hard day or maybe something happened that you just can't see. Exactly. I, everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. So
2: I think it's just really important just to take a step back and realize that they're human and just give them a break. They're doing the best they can.
0: Definitely. And our last question we always ask everyone what is your life motto or quote that really keeps you inspired? I think it would have
2: to be, and I apologize if I don't say it right, it would have to be that saving one dog will not change the world, but it will change the world for that one dog. And I think that speaks to just the amazing work that our rescue partners do. We can't save them all, but we do what we can to make a difference.
0: Love it. So nice. Thank you for letting me carve a little bit of your work day out, distract you for a minute. I loved it. It was so good talking to you and I'm sure we'll bring some of you back or some of your team back again. Um, But anyone who is interested in in contacting Sam, she's very accessible. So feel (laughs) free to contact her in any number of ways available on our website. Yeah. Thanks guys. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. It was so great to take a little time out with Sam to talk about everything that we're doing at Cuddly. I know this is really just the beginning for us. We're really looking to grow into the new year and we're really excited to grow with you all and with our rescue partners. She's got such an amazing experience from her four years working here and we're honored to be able to highlight just a little bit of it. So if you wanna learn a little bit more about Sam, Marmion and the rest of the team here at Cudley, you can click our show notes or our blog.
1: And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast. And be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly. That's C U D D L Y. Thanks, guys.